Well, happy 11 a.m. on this beautiful Sunday here at the uh, Copper Corridor campus. I, I say that because it's difficult to say good morning because it's not really morning or good afternoon because it's not afternoon. It's kind of brunch time. So we thank you for coming and worshiping with us uh, this Sunday morning. Uh, we're praying for the ladies who are, are at this time in Alpine uh, at the women's retreat, and we know that God is doing great things in their lives. Two things that I want to touch on before I go into the message. Uh, the first is that there's two cards on your, on your seats, and one of them says, come to a service, serve in a service, and bring someone to a service. And it's talking about Easter. Easter is two Sundays away from today. Um, we are going to have Easter on Saturday at this campus in, in the Copper Corridor. Uh, we have three services on Sunday at the Oracle campus. And uh, one thing that I've, I've seen year after year after year after year is uh, Easter Sunday has more attendance than any other Sunday of the calendar year. And that's because Jesus is alive and God draws people uh, to church on Easter Sunday, whether they are regular church attenders or they are unchurched people, God just draws people. In fact, the statistic says that 82% of people that you invite to church on, on Easter will come. That means 8 out of 10 people uh, that maybe don't go to church will attend on Easter Sunday. So it's a great incentive for us to invite our, our friends, our neighbors, our, our, our peers, and, uh, and that card says, you know, invite someone, but also serve at a service. So we would love for you to, um, to uh, join us in serving our uh, community. And so if you're a regular attendee or you're a member here at the Copper Corridor campus, uh, sign that card and look for places that you can, that you can uh, serve the, God's purposes during this beautiful day on Easter Saturday. And, um, and then another thing that's vital, we have uh, an opportunity for you to come alongside and partner with us uh, for our Easter egg hunt. There's a box that will be set up in the back area at, at, here at the campus, and you can put uh, donations, toy donations, so that the kids that, that do the Easter egg hunt, that they can have a great experience. And, and so let's fill up this box with uh, all kinds of different merchandise. Uh, you can get the, the, the little uh, brochure of, of what we would like for you to bring and what kids would really love to have. So I, I'd love for you to consider that. And, uh, and it's us joining together and making, make, bringing a smile to the face of families as they come on Easter Saturday here to the Copper Corridor. It's going to be a great time. Um, now to the message. I, uh, I want to talk to you um, about the importance of, uh, of, of understanding uh, the, the res the, not only the resurrection, but the crucifixion and leading up to that time. So we are going to be going to John chapter 18. And the title of my message is Betrayed. Um, Jesus was betrayed. Even the, 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 the perfect son of man, when we think about who he is, and all that, that, that he brought to this world, he, he, he fed multitudes uh, miraculously. He, he healed people from mental illness and, and uh, uh, demonic oppression. 
he um, just healed people from different diseases and, and, uh, and just did nothing but good. But his, the end result before he went to the cross was betrayal. And as we, as we look at that, um, I, wanna, I want us to really look at this passage from, uh, from that perspective, but also from a perspective of our own lives. Because I don't think that there's anyone that is sitting here in this, uh, in this service that has not faced some kind of betrayal in your life. Whether it's perceived betrayal or it was real betrayal, all of us have, have faced it. And, uh, and I believe that God's going to speak into our lives through his word. Uh, maybe to help you get unstuck. Uh, because when you've been betrayed, uh, you can be stuck in the narrative of what has happened to you. And what I find from the life of Christ is that he was not... Uh, bound to the narrative of being betrayed. In fact, he looked at his betrayal as a, a means for the good of, of, uh, of the glory of God the Father, but also for the good of helping people to overcome their dilemma. And our dilemma is that we all fall short of God's glory. We all sin. And so from that perspective, I, I want for us to go to chapter 18 and let the Lord speak to us. So I'm reading from the NLT, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 18. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. And this is what the word says there. It says, after saying these things, and let me pause real quick. It's interesting to me that, that in uh, 16, chapter 16, chapter 17, chapter 18, it says the same narrative. In chapter 16... Uh, Jesus talks to his disciples and he says, uh, I, I'm saying these things because, and then in chapter 17, he prays to the Father and it says that he said these things to the Father and that's called the high priestly prayer. And then in chapter 18, it says, as John continues writing in, in, in the narrative, he says, after saying these things, uh, so, so I think when God speaks, we need to listen, Right? After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. And Judas, the betrayer, kind of circle that, he knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now, with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. And Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them and asked this question. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he. And they all drew back and fell to the ground. That's interesting. They all fell when he said, I am he. Jesus said, and, and since I am, verse 8, I told you that I am he. And Jesus said, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. And he did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Remember, he had prayed that to the Father in John 17. 
Verse 10, then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? And from this text, I want to talk about being betrayed. Because as we prepare for Easter and even for the Passion, we will see how betrayal was at the very fourth, uh, uh, the, very, the very front of, of what was going to happen leading up to Easter. And, and so the, the, the first takeaway that I want for you to grab a hold of is that Jesus understands betrayal. Look at what it says in, in, in verse 2, chapter 18, verse 2, the first part. It says, Judas the betrayer knew this place. So the Bible says that Judas knew that place. And have you ever noticed that those that betray us are usually the ones who are closest to us? They are in our intimate circle. They know where we go. They know our private places. They know our private life. And that's the vulnerability that comes with friendship. Think with me. You, you, you become vulnerable to the people that are closest to you. And they know the places that you go privately. They know the things that you say privately. They know the things that you've done privately. And you open up your life to them. That, that's exactly what we see here in this scripture. You know, in our small groups that we have at, at Living Word Chapel, we have core values. And, and one of them is confidentiality. Because when you, when, you, when you come in groups, you need to know that it's a safe place. And, and I want to say this to you, that when, when you go to a, a small group at Living Word Chapel, we... We really, uh, we really value that. We really emphasize confidentiality because um, if you don't have that, you're vulnerable in being betrayed. When you share the things that are near and dear to your heart, when you share the things that, that, that have hurt you, when you share the things that have kind of molded you throughout your life, you share those things with people that you trust. And when, when they... And when they, when they when they don't hold on to that trust, you feel betrayed. And this happens to the people that are closest to us, and they let us down. And you may be here at this service today, and someone very close has let you down. And you, and you feel that they have betrayed your trust. They have betrayed you as an individual. And you're maybe still carrying the hurt. You're still carrying the pain. The psalmist put it like this in Psalm 41, verse 9. He says, Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. And this is a prophetic psalm. This is, this is speaking into the life of Christ. This is the, the literal says, Even the one who shared bread with me, even the one who broke bread with me, Jesus breaking bread with his disciples and, and them dipping in the, 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 the wine together. 
he talked about how Judas would betray him. And think about the greatest pain that we have when our closest friends turn against us. When our family betrays us and they use what you've told them in secret against you. But you know what the the beautiful thing about Jesus' account is? Is that he gets betrayal. He gets it when, when, when you've been hurt because he's been hurt. He gets it when you've opened up your life to someone because he opened up his life to someone. Look at the narrative right there in, in chapter 18, verse 4 and 5. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. He knew all this was coming, and yet he was still vulnerable. So he, he stepped forward to meet them, and he said, who are you looking for, he asked. And they said, Jesus the Nazarene. And, and he said, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And, and I think about this. I think, you know, there, there's, a, there's a perceived betrayal. And that's kind of our flesh, where, where we, 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 we perceive our betrayal through a, a, a lens or a narrative that has to do with how you've been hurt and how difficult uh, it's been because of that hurt and, and how people have just broken your trust. And that's a perceived betrayal. And then there's a betrayal that we look at through the lens of the cross. You see, Jesus wasn't looking at his betrayal through the lens of his flesh. He was looking at his betrayal through a lens of the cross. And it's, it changes everything. It, it speaks to us about how, how God can, can, can work even through times that we are betrayed. There's a, there's a story in the Old Testament um, and it's kind of a parallel to, to this passage. Uh, you know, Jesus is a lot greater, but, but the story is about this man named Joseph. And he, he was a young boy, and God, God's hand was on Joseph. And Joseph was born to, to Jacob, who, who later became Israel. And, and God gave Joseph a gift. And he, he, he was able to interpret dreams, and God would speak to him in dreams. And, and so Joseph uh, was betrayed by his brothers. They were jealous of him. And I won't go into all the narrative. Some of you guys know the story. And, and if you don't know the story, um, uh, you know, I will just encourage you to, to just look at Joseph's life in the, in the Old Testament. And so his brothers betrayed him, and he... Uh, uh, Pharaoh, uh, he, he went to, to Egypt. He was sold into slavery to the Egyptians. And he, he came under, uh, 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 became a servant of Potiphar, who was a royal official. And, and then he was betrayed by Potiphar's wife, who actually wanted to have an affair with him. And, and Potiphar put him in prison. And then in prison, every place he went, God gave him favor. In prison, he was able to interpret dreams for two individuals. And the, the, the one individual who God, risked, I mean, who the, 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 the Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt, uh, put him in a, in a place of, of honor. He forgot and he betrayed Joseph as well. And the narrative continues with one betrayal after another betrayal after another betrayal. But somehow in all this, Joseph kept his eyes on God. And maybe the Lord's speaking to, to someone here today because you've been betrayed. Maybe over and over and over again, and, and so you have this perceived lens of your betrayal, and 
you look at life with a soured taste in your mouth. But Joseph took another stance, and, and, and in that stance, he trusted God in the process. And God was faithful. And Joseph was restored to become the second in command to the king, the pharaoh of Egypt. And in that, it was for a reason. There was a big famine that came across the world, and in that famine, uh, the Israelites were about to die, and all of his family were in destitute. And his brothers came, and they did not know they were coming before Joseph, and they came to him, and Joseph was able to help them and really save the nation of Israel. And so at the very end of, of, of this story, this is what Joseph says, and I, and I just think it's powerful. It's Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. So, the lens that he was looking through is that God is in control even when we're betrayed. And the lens that we see through the cross of Jesus Christ, through his betrayal, is that God had a plan. For, for Joseph, the plan was to save the Israelites, the, the, the nation of Israel. For, for Jesus, the plan was to save the world. And we're all a part of that. And we find that God doesn't waste anything in life. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't waste you being betrayed. He doesn't waste it. God's always moving. And what I see from the life of Jesus is that there is a voluntary surrender. That's your second takeaway. Jesus said, I am he. He said, I'm who you're looking for. And, and, and the, the, the great thing about this is they all drew back and they fell to the ground. So, so those that were going to arrest him, those that were going to beat him, when they came into his presence, they all fell backwards because of his, his power, his, his presence. And, and so he asked them again, well, Maybe while they're on the ground, who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus and Nazarene. And then he, he repeats, I am he. I am, the great I am. The, 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 the I am from the burning bush. And then he says, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. And this is so important because Jesus had the power to stop them from taking him. The word says that they fell to the ground when he spoke, I am. But that, that, that part of, of this narrative is there for a reason. There is no human that can take the life of God. That's important for us to grab a hold of. There is no human that could take the life of Jesus Christ. But the Son of God surrendered his life to the plan of the Father. Look at what it says in John chapter 10, verse 18. It says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again for this is what my father has commanded. 
And there's three very important takeaways just from, from, from that, that, that verse right there in verse 18. First of all, he says, I sacrifice my life voluntarily. No one can take my life from me. And then he says, I have, I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again, right? And that, that speaks to us from, from Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, verse 18. He says, he, he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And so Jesus has the authority, and yet he submitted himself to the Father's plan. That speaks volumes to me. It should, be, it should speak volumes to you. And, and, the, and the, 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 the last takeaway is, I will submit myself to the Father's plan. I, I look at Luke chapter 22, verse 42. He says, uh, he prayed to the Father in, in the Garden of, of Gethsemane, the place where they came in and, and grabbed him. Here in this narrative in, in John 18, and, and, and in Luke's gospel, he says this. He says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. And then he says, yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. And, and, and right here, right when we, when we read this, it gives us a different lens. A lens of, of, of sacrificing and suffering from the lens of the cross. From, from, the, from the reality that Jesus was willing to offer his life as a sacrifice to save the lives of many. And let me tell you something, beloved. We're the benefactors. We are the benefactors of having our lives saved from the, the wiles of the devil and the, the, just the, the consequence of sin because of what Jesus has done for us. You know, there's a place in the, in the scriptures where... Um, uh, Mark chapter 10, and it's in, it's in every gospel. Verse 45, it says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And then it says, And to give his life as a ransom for many, so that we can be saved. And I want you to think with me about that scripture right there. When, when you serve others, there's a chance that you're going to be betrayed. There, there's a chance that you're not going to be appreciated. But, but Jesus teaches me, and, and I pray he teaches us, that, that he's willing to serve even when people are ungrateful. He, he's willing to serve even when his closest friend will betray him. And, and thousands of people whom he had just fed miraculously shouting uh, just months before, you know, about how great he was, that, th that in the coming weeks in the future, they would be shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. You know, when you, when you serve people, there's always a chance that the closer you get to them, that they may betray you. And they know, they know your, 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 your private life. They know the, your private circles. They know all these things because the more close we get to people, the more that we open up to people. And then we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable to, 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 to people hurting us and betraying us. But when you look through the lens of the cross, 
you begin to understand that there's a purpose in our suffering. You see, Jesus understood that. Jesus understood that, that his suffering was not going to go in vain. Jesus understood that the betrayal was not going to be overlooked by the Father. That he was going to be working in and through it for the glory of God and also for the restoration of souls. And that's where we are right now. We are blessed because of his suffering. And, and, and we, we, we need to understand that there's purposeful suffering. You know, Jesus kind of scolded Peter. He said, put your sword back into your sheath. And he understood that, that what was about to happen to him needed to happen. He said, shall I not drink from the cup of suffering that the Father has given me? Peter did not see the higher purpose of the suffering of Christ. And until you see the higher purpose of the suffering of Christ, will you not see the higher purpose of your suffering right now? You won't see the, 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 the greater picture of, of, of being betrayed. You won't see that, that in this world we will have trials and tribulation, but we can be of good cheer because Jesus overcame the world. Because he overcame betrayal. Because he was called to that. And as hard as it is for us to understand, we're called to that as well. We're called to the fact that even when people betray us, we will walk in the love of God. That we will suffer at times, but God will always be there for us and his plan will never be denied. You see, 700 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Isaiah prophesied about a suffering servant and that suffering servant would be the Messiah. He would be the Holy One of God. He'd be the Christ, the Chosen One. And this is what it says in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 53. The, that, that whole chapter is talking about the suffering servant. This is what it says. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. And that just brings us into the reality that all of us had a part of that. Our sins sent Jesus to where he was going. In verse 4 it says, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. 
and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. I just want to pause right there to just exalt how good God is. That, that through this plan of a suffering servant, the, 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 the Christ, the one we celebrate every Sunday, that Jesus is alive and well, that, that he went to the cross to bear our sins, that, that he went there and he suffered voluntarily because he knew that the plan of the Father was great. And that the plan of the Father was going to restore you and me. And it's my sins that put him there. And it's my shame that he carried. And the troubles that I go through, he has taken them on himself. It goes on and says, Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. And he will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. Or he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and he interceded for the rebels. He interceded for James Reese when I was in rebellion to God. He interceded for every person sitting in these seats because of his love for you. You see, the, the, the plan of God is a beautiful plan. The, the, the plan of God is, 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 is purposeful suffering. The, the suffering that our Lord displayed and went through was not in vain. He fulfilled everything that Isaiah spoke about 700 years ago to the T. Every I was dotted, every T was crossed, and Jesus is the answer. When you've been betrayed, you need to understand that he understands. He cares about what you're going through. And he doesn't sympathize with you. He empathizes with you. He understands your pain. The, the, the writer of Hebrews, and I'll close with this scripture, the writer of Hebrews put it like this. He said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy that was awaiting him, he endured the cross. He disregarded his shame and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. Think about everything he has endured 
so that you and I won't give up. I don't know what you've gone through, but he does. And he cares about every detail in your life. He cares about all the hurt, all the pain, all the shame of your betrayal. And he wants to restore you. And he's the only one that has the power to restore you. He's the only one that you can find true love, true peace, true joy, true patience, true long-suffering, true faithfulness, true self-control. It's in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we, as we close this service, I want to give you a, an opportunity to find that in Jesus. Wherever you're at right now, you can find it in Jesus. I, I want to lead you in a prayer. It, it, it's a simple prayer of, uh, of restoration. Maybe you're in a place that you just need to be restored. And, and um, you need to know that, that he, Jesus didn't come to make you religious. He came to, to establish a relationship that you need. A friendship that you need because he will not betray you. He won't leave you or forsake you. So if you're here today and you need that in your life and you want that and you want to embrace it, pray with me. God, I, I just, I need you today. Lord, you know my life. You know what, what I've gone through. You know what, what's been done to me. You know how I felt destitute. I felt so uh, broken because of relationships or circumstances that have gone against me. But today, Lord, I place my hope in Jesus. Today, I, I, I admit that, 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 that I, I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. I'm broken, and I want to come to the one who can put me back together. So, Jesus, I open up my heart to you. I, I, I ask for you to come into my life. I believe that, that the cross was not in vain, that you went to the cross and died for my sins, and my sins put you there. And so I, I, just, I just confess that, and I, and I believe that you rose from the dead, that the cross didn't have the final word. That sin and death did not have the final word. You conquered it when you rose from the dead on the third day. And so today, I, um, I accept you as my Savior. I choose to follow you from this day forward. I, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. I pray that you bring the peace of God that surpasses my understanding today. And I receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, child of God. And my prayer for you is that your week is going to be outstanding, not, not because of your circumstances, but because of the God who cares about you. And it doesn't matter if you've been betrayed. There's restoration through Jesus Christ. God bless you.